0: It's not about other people. Mm. It's not about trying to change other people's minds. It's your contract with God. That's why I said the number one thing that I teach uh, is everything in life is a you issue. Mm. It's between you and God, right? Like right now, you and I are supposedly having a conversation. I mean, if God and I are having this conversation, you're just eavesdropping on
1: it. What makes the journey worth it? The pain. The adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold the individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson, this is Serendipity. Wazo, Okafanus. What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. Thank you. How you doing, sir? I'm well, man. I'm well. You know, I'm I'm big on that gratitude. So I gotta say thank you uh for your time, man. I'm grateful for it. I know you could be anywhere in the world, as they say, but you here with me. So I appreciate that.
0: All right, man. As as the great late Marv Lever would say, you know, no better place to be right here, right now. So, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, yes, it's an honor, a pleasure being with you, brother, you know, I've watched your journey, watching you mature from a, you know, 13 year old to about to be 35 this
1: month, I believe something like that. 35. Yes. Sir. Yes. Sir. And so, okay. man, you know, you know, as well as I do in terms of just serendipity, right? In life moments, situations, circumstances, misfortunes, dreams deferred. Right, they can all work to our benefit if we let it. Like you taught me a lot of that. Right, you were you were my eighth grade math teacher, you were my basketball coach. You walked my wife down the aisle in our wedding. Like you're my guy. And so when I say the word serendipity, what comes to mind for you?
0: Uh, first and foremost, my grandmother, my dad's mother. Um, as a as a youngster, just a brief history. You know, I'm from small town in in Georgia, Woodland, Georgia. And, you know, all my other friends had the opportunity to go ride the bikes and go into town when we were growing up and just play with each other and see each other. But for me, when I got out of school, uh, we got out of school in June. I didn't see any of my friends anymore till September. So my grandmother was babysitter, after school, before school, care, summer, camp, everything. And at the time, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see the lessons. I couldn't and understand like I would be frustrated sometimes and, and upset and then as I you know grew and and especially once I went to college I began to see the lessons she was teaching and these lessons carried you know me through through school through the opportunities to teach you guys as as a teacher as a coach all of the things that I've, I've been able to go through and experience some great times some uh, not-so-great times, but even in those not-so-great times, I always would lean on her teachings. So, you know, as as the old folks say, if you want to uh, give God a laugh, tell him what you want. So in those times when I was a youngster and, and wanted to be playing and with everyone else, what was happening was I was being instilled with some wisdom that I could carry on for the rest of my life, but most importantly to me, to be able to instill in the lives of the young people who came behind. So, I I mean, that's the major aspect of serendipity for me, for my life. And then, you know, there are definitely other aspects that maybe we'll get into, you know, as we continue during this session here. Uh, there have been some amazing things that have happened uh, in my life, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely proud of some I'm not so proud of. Yet in the midst of all of that, you know, I'm still here and still able to be a blessing and be blessed.
1: Absolutely. You know, Oak, I'll never forget, man, um, when you were our teacher when we was in the eighth grade and you were young, I think you were probably 23, I know you were early 20s, and you started doing this thing with with some of us to where you would take us to the campus of Clark Atlanta, right, the CAU, and you would take us to the tree with uh, Professor Dr. O. Black, right? And we would see different things happen, transpire, different dialogue, high level dialogue at the time. You know you would take us to play basketball on Clark Atlanta's campus and that's when we discovered that you know you used to play quarterback at Clark Atlanta University right tell yeah. us a little bit about your experience at Clark coming from oh. where you came from to coming up to Atlanta to the city to play ball and that mm-hmm. whole experience
0: that's that's another serendipity moment uh mm-hmm. I I tore my ACL my junior year in high school um you know yet the rehab Aspect of it allowed me to get clarity of mind, uh, my body to get stronger, to get in even more shape because I was just solely concentrating on, you know, getting back on the football field because I played basketball as well, but I wasn't able to play. So had a pretty decent senior year. Um size wise, I you know, I'm not the tallest kid, and especially at the quarterback position. Uh Clark Atlanta, you know, fortunate that uh Coach Hunter, Coach Willie Hunter, Coach Robin Haygood. Uh, gave me the opportunity to to play quarterback, uh, so you know I took the scholarship, accepted it, and uh, came to Atlanta, fresh, ready to go. Uh, I was a backup, you know, coming in as a freshman, and uh, we went to camp. Starting quarterback, you know, uh, Cedric Shafir's wonderful, wonderful brother, talented from uh, Fort Lauderdale, about six two, could could throw it, had the swagger, you know, he he fit the part, mm. yeah. Uh, He had an unfortunate uh, accident. We broke camp and went to uh, Honorable Marvin Arrington would always throw the football team a, you know, little barbecue after we would finish camp. So we got out, had practice that Saturday morning. Saturday barbecue. So from Saturday to Monday, we were free. This is our first time being free. Definitely my first time being free in Atlanta. And uh, lo and behold, Cedric, you know, he was on his motorcycle he had an accident that you know, basically ended his career. So I went from coming in small town Georgia, uh, in South Georgia to Atlanta, just trying to find my way to now I'm starting quarterback as a freshman. And that year was, uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do in life. And again, another serendipity moment. It was during that time where I realized, like, I'm, I'm something other than a football player. So I began to read. I, I, these classes I was taking, they were taking me in another direction in terms of my life purpose. So I came to Clark on a football scholarship. I left Clark on a math scholarship, uh, graduated with a bachelor's, a master's in math, uh, math education. So I played one year. Yeah, I, I stayed in football. I stayed with the culture. I stayed with my teammates and whatnot. It's just football wasn't at nineteen twenty my direction was going towards life. Uh, I, I would tell people, my closest friends, when I left Woodland, uh, Talbot County, that my goal was to change the world, especially the world in which I came from. So everything, when I left, I was to teach, was to give back. Because my coaches and teachers, parents, grandparents, my whole village back home had instilled in me. So I wanted, that was my that was just my contract with God, man, for real. You know, mm. football was just a, a means of of getting here. But it definitely was uh, a wonderful experience, something I never ever, ever, you know, uh, forget. I'm very thankful for it. Football owes, I owe football everything. Um because, you know, as you know, later on I became a coach and I'm so ingrained in football, is is one of the vehicles that I use to teach. Um and, and live my life. I have lifelong friends from, from Clark Atlanta and from high school. And, you know, we bled and, and sweated on the field together and, and forced a bond. Absolutely. So coming to Atlanta, and as you said, graduated, and I, lo and behold, I ended up at Corn Middle School. And again, serendipity, my goal was I was going back to the
1: country when yeah, I graduated. See, that's what I got to ask you, oh, cuz I didn't notice until a few years ago when we were sitting and we were talking cuz of course you taught us, you taught several of our friends at Coin, right? You was our guy. But I didn't know until several years ago when we were sitting and we were talking and you was like, "Man, I was I was about to go back to the country, you know, before I did what I did with you cats and the work that we did." Mm-hmm. Like tell me about that that situation, that moment and what made you come back to Atlanta, I guess, or how that transpired?
0: Um, I was student teaching at party West in Fulton County. Mm-hmm. And um, the assistant principal, Ms. Juanita Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, if you know the last name, Absolutely. but anyway, Ms. Juanita Nelson, you know, she took a liking to my style, you know, the way I talk, the way I interacted with the young people. And so she was, basically took me under her wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just telling my son today, who you know, my oldest, he's thinking about getting into teaching. He's substitute, trying to substitute now uh, about my experience, and you know, she gave me a part time job while I was still in school as a math uh, math assistant at Paul D. West. So I'm, you know, I'm loving middle school. It just sucked me in. I went to Clark to be a high school math teacher, but being in again, being in a middle school that that wasn't, you know, my goal. My goal was to teach high school mathematics. But, it again, it overtook me. Lo and behold, though, I graduated. And plans, just everything was in place. I was going to Terrell County, Dawson, Georgia. One of my big brother, Vincent Huff, um, he was the head coach. I was mm-hmm. going to teach and, and be his assistant. And I was down for maybe about four days. Mm-hmm. And I had been down there. Yeah, I would yeah, go every I mean, summer. In Dawson, in in Dal- where he it, was got you and so you know that's it this is the way I had planned life to be and I got there and it just didn't feel right I felt like Atlanta was still calling me and so I made a call back up to uh, Mrs. Nelson at the time you know just told her and uh, asked you know if if something came up definitely keep me in mind and lo and behold her husband Mr. Gerald Nelson Mm -hmm. uh, my guy Uh, offered me an opportunity to teach math, eighth grade algebra Hmm. at Corn Middle School. So I I left Dawson, packed my bags back up. Not even a full week. Atlanta was calling. My auntie still cared enough about me because I stayed with her during my last years of college. She still cared enough about me. I didn't burn too many bridges with her, so I got a chance to move back in. Hmm. (laughs) Shout out to uh, Aunt Nita. Um, But at any rate... And so the, the journey started at Con. At so yeah. you know, here, there, step here, step there. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I walked into a classroom. And, you know, at that first week, we you guys were we were split up. And then right. that second week, all of you guys joined, and it was yeah. uh, 23 year old and 36, <laughs> 13 year olds. With, that
1: was incredible, man. Like, okay, yeah. I'll never forget. I wanna talk about a moment. Then I want to backtrack it, like when okay. we graduated at Corn Middle School. I'll never forget, like watching you when you were crying, right? Like, like we were your, your kids, right? Like that you had had, right? Now I never forget my mom coming over to me, and she was like, "That man care about y'all, you know, <laughs> you know how we talk in the south. That man yeah. care about yeah. y'all, right?" But I'll never forget, man. Your your whole style was different right? Your teaching style was different up to what we have saw at that point, right? Making mm-hmm. us recite certain things, whether it be proverbs, poems, right? Different things every single day. Like, why did you approach the style of teaching the way that you did with us at that time, right? Like, why was your approach that way with kids coming from where we came from and you being in the classroom and doing it the way you did it?
0: Um, I think it all just came together as one. Remember what I was saying when I got to Clark, and it was football. Yeah, when I started taking classes, Dr. Black, um, the football team, you know, we had certain professors, our our counselors, mm-hmm. because um, they teamed up with the athletic program, basically ushers usher us in, the freshmen, you know, just basically trying to keep their arms around us because, you know, a lot of young, the cats that came in with me didn't leave with me. So when you've seen it, you know, even at Tennessee. So um all half of us, half of the freshmen ended up in Dr. Black's uh English lit class. And from there, it was just it was it was just amazing. Like it was doing the same thing. We were self-affirmations, just thinking about things a different way. Um and so I took the same philosophy of teaching uh literature to the mathematics classroom. So when I got to you guys, My my whole perspective was I have a commitment to fulfill my contract with God Mm. and you guys were just the beneficiaries. Mm. You know, you were the terms of the contract. My my kids, young people, they are the terms of the contract, but my contract is with God. Mm. So and, you know, sometimes I haven't lived up to it, but that's why they call it grace and they call it mercy um, to get another chance and another chance and another chance. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So coming in with you guys, you know, we learned the pledge. We are the children of Africa, the descendants of a very great people. Uh oh, I kept, can, you,
1: can you break, can you can you say that right there, man? That or part of it. If you want to say the whole thing, just say part um, of what you had to say every single morning. You know, uh, Allison, my wife, she still, I went to China say the other day. Allison know the whole thing. Uh we are the children
0: of Africa, the descendants of a very great people. We are the ones who refused to die. It was our people who built the pyramids, our people who first studied the stars, our people who survived the greatest Holocaust ever known to the human race. The shoulders upon which we stand are very strong ones. The same God who helped our elders on the plantation who stood by them in those vast fields of cotton shall sustain us the rest of the way. We shall lead, we shall fight, and we shall pray until all our brothers and sisters love themselves. And we shall rest only after our blackness is celebrated to the highest. And with God as our God, we shall reign as queens and kings again. Yes, sir. That was, you know, you, every morning, Made every say class. That
1: every morning. Made us nah. say it every morning. I love right. that, man.
0: And, uh, you know, and on the board, in the corner, I would, uh, you know, I just kept, I love you up there. Mm-hmm. So every time you looked at the board, if if you knew nothing else, you knew that, you know, and, and the math and learning the algebra would come, you know, with a cascade off of, my feelings for you guys, my belief in you guys, because I always felt like you guys were were the strongest, most resilient um, young people in the city, mm-hmm. you know. And I know other parts of the city had their struggles and whatnot. I'm just talking about from what I experienced. You guys in Kirkwood and East Atlanta and mm-hmm. Reynolds Town and and all of uh, Edgewood, mm-hmm. you know, and and a lot of the difficulties and and struggles that you guys had to deal with when you left Corn, yet you still came to Corn. You still came with the best of yourselves. And that I honored. I had to honor you guys in that by giving y'all the best of me. And, you know, we had some knockdown, drag-out days. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, it was... Uh, God was just showing me, man. So I, I think y'all way, y'all taught me way more than I ever could teach you guys. For real. You know?
1: Yes, uh, oh, can you... Um, can you expand upon your contract with God like I know the people are hearing you refer back to that often and you know we've talked about different things of that nature and you've kind of you know shaped my thought process based upon that and how I go about my life but can you can you talk about that a little bit your contract with um, God it,
0: it it stems from liberation it stems from freedom hmm. you know we the truth of the matter is especially in these times over the, even the past year but throughout our time as, as African-descended people here in America, uh, we've always been under the auspices of uh, white supremacy mm-hmm. and the way in which slavery has shaped, the way in which we see the world, in which way in which we see each other, the way in which we see ourselves, the reflection we see when we look in the mirror. So, and I don't know how it happened, except for the most spiritual person I know I've ever known was my grandma. She mm-hmm. sat on the end of the porch. Uh, in that chair, and all the lessons that I learned in some and in, in uh, vacation Bible school and Sunday school at church, um, really, they came. I, I I got them from her, and when I went to church, it was like you know just re, reinforced. So, and I rallied, so I go to church. So you know, she shaped everything. The, the most spiritual woman that I've ever met. Like if if I had to say who have you met that is, that is closest to God? It will be her. Mm. And she would just tell us things. And one of those was you, sometimes you got to give up your right for somebody else's wrongs. Mm. And that that never left me. Mm. which means you, it's, it's sort of like, even like with Dr. King and, and the nonviolent movement, it's not about other people. Mm. It's not about trying to change other people's minds. Is your contract with God. That's why I said the number one thing that I teach uh, is everything in life is a you issue. Mm. It's between you and God, right? Like right now, you and I are supposedly having a conversation. If God and I are having this conversation. You're just eavesdropping on it. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what happens, regardless of what the world throws at me, sometimes I, I win, sometimes I lose. Mm. Yet there's no one to blame except, and there's no blame to give. Mm. It's simply the relationship that I'm continuously forging with my creator, with the creator, the universal force. I'm saying, God, you know, whoever's listening, I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about an energy source, Mm. the highest form of energy source possible. Um, So when I say liberation, I'm not dependent on anyone else for my own source of happiness, joy, frustration, disappointment. All of that is between me and that energy source, me and God. Mm. And so as I work that out continuously, every day is a, uh, it's a struggle. So that's what I mean when I say my contract with God and the terms of the contract is the way you walk, the way you live your character, you know, the way in which you empathize with folks, the way in which you love folks, the way in which you have compassion for people. That's your contract. And then when you, are a little less than your best as we always are from time to time. That's when you just stepping outside of the contract. Mm. Then you get the tap on the shoulder. Hey, hey, remember this, remember this, remember this, what we agreed to, right? Mm. That, that, that tap may come in the middle of the night it may come in the middle of the day. Absolutely. Yet when you're off kilter, you feel it, you know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's it. That's my, that's why I always say that's my contract. Um, Absolutely. so I can never, I can't ever blame anyone else. So my freedom, my liberation, and what I mean by that, just my thought, my movement is, is, is between me and God and everyone else, like you, between you and God. And if we understand that and can stay within the contract, the terms of the contract that we, we've written, that we signed in blood, then, you know, peace and all of these other, whatever things of, of life, you know, that we seem to think we want to enjoy will come to pass.
1: Yes, sir. So, o, um, with your position right now in education, right? like yes, sir. You've seen generations of kids, right? Taught generations. But with your position now as an assistant principal, and you started as an eighth grade a math teacher, mm-hmm. looking back on that eighth grade math teacher, that 23-year-old, right now in the position that you're in, What would you share with that young math teacher now with you being an assistant principal, whether it be life, insight, whatever advice you would have for him, what would you share with the younger Wazo Um, I got it.
0: I got this a a little later, and that is you can't speed up or slow down the Florida River. Yes, sir. There were plenty of days that I, I just, I left corn and the music would play a lot of times like Marvin, Marvin Gaye, what's going on, whatever. And I would literally cry mm. because for some of you guys, I saw your future and it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I, I I just envisioned. It didn't make me feel good inside. For others, I was like, they're going to be all right. Mm. So you can't speed up or slow down the Florida river It's basically, you got to do your part, get in the flow and then trust in God and the rest. Mm. So, When as a 23 year old and the young fellow, the young lady didn't do a homework, it wasn't the end of the world. Mm. It was let's teach the lesson. And they may not do the homework tomorrow. Mm. Let's teach the lesson. I mean, I can't speed up. It's not time for her river or his river to flow fast. Mm. It's almost standing still right now. Then, boom, the light comes on. They just knocking it out. Or we may be going over something that they get that. Just it excites them. Or it could be something as simple as their uncle came home from jail. Mm. And it's like, oh man, I got a new lease on life. Like, I'm excited now. Mm-hmm. You never know what people are going through. So I can't speed it up. I can't speed it up. I just got to be there for when it does speed up. So when they get it, I'm right here. Yes. When you're struggling, I'm right here. When it's going slow, I'm right here. Mm. So to understand that, like it's not your job to speed up or slow down the Florida of the river for any anyone. Yes. Your job is just to be there, mm. whenever they need to be there. And that's, you know, pretty much what I have tried. Like uh, I tried to do with you. You know, when, you know, uh, uh, you know when you got the injury, I was like, okay, what do I say? And and God put it on my, really, literally put on my. Don't say anything. Mm. You put in the work. Grandma don't put in the work family, his village, everything is put in work, just be there. Yes, sir. That's it. And he's going to find his way. And when it when he needs you, he's, gonna throw, he's smart enough, he's wise enough to throw a lifeline. You just got to be ready.
1: Mm.
0: You know, that's the part you play. So, yeah. and, and that's pretty much it has yeah. been it with any, any, uh, any, any young people uh, of the young people that i come in contact with. And now it's just transitioning. I find myself now as a, got a few gray hairs, you know, <laughs> um offering a little insight to uh mm. older older brothers, you know, 35, 30, <laughs> 25 year olds, you know, who trying to find their way. <laughs> but uh you know, at twenty three it was always it was just the young people now as I've gotten older, no I'm I'm in a position now to try to teach the ones who are gonna be the teachers or who are the teachers. So it's a it's a new challenge, it's a wonderful challenge. I look forward to it. Yeah. You know, it's the transition um as I, I call it, the little bull, the big bull and the old bull in the past. I'm moving from the big bull to the old bull now. So I'm just trying to offer the wisdom and insight that I've gathered to young Thundercats like yourself as you go out and the uh the teenagers and whatnot and, and young 20-year-olds are looking to you, you know. And I'm sitting on the porch saying, have at it. Go get it. You, you're ready for it, you know.
1: Yeah. So that, that's really
0: pretty much what I'm telling that 23-year-old. No,
1: I was going piggyback on, I remember you said that quote to me and that helped me so much when you told me, Inc., you can't speed up the river, you can't slow it down. At a certain point, you got to have some faith. And that stuck with me. And so the way that stuck with me, Oak, as I get ready to bring us to a close, you know, the world, man, like what we're going through, man, Corona, COVID, a lot of people, man, going through a tough time, you know, yeah. losing jobs, you know, finding themselves in positions that they never could imagine that they would have been in, right? Like people going through things that they never thought they would go through. And I've been ending every episode pretty much the same with the same question, because it's the basis of why I started this, right? What can we do with situations that don't unfold the way we want them to? And so if it's some words that you could give to the world right now, with the current climate of what we're going through and what we're dealing with, if it's a mantra you live by, something that brings you back to center every single day, What's some insight that you would share with the people? Um,
0: I guess this season has taught me to really, really understand this principle of empathy. Yes, sir. And have empathy with myself and empathy with others, Hmm. which means there's no room for judgment. This is not the season to take things personally. This is not the season for negativity. Because right now, I see it as the universe is asking for the best of us, regardless of whether you're winning or losing or feel like you're losing, you're never losing. But, you know, things have shifted in ways you never imagined, some for the good, some for quote unquote the bad. But to understand within yourself that you are worthy, that you are going to make it through, that we're going to make it through, like the moment it's not as big as the process. It's mm. good. If the, the the moment right now, right now I'm feeling wonderful. Fifteen minutes from now, who knows what's gonna happen. Literally. Right? Um, you know, just over the past week, over the well, really the past three weeks, people my age have been um transitioning, right? Wow. Um and seemingly like for no reason outside of it's this, this season. Mm. And so that's what I mean by it is it is the process, not the moment. If we get and continuously get caught up in the moment, then we're just going with the wind. Right mm-hmm. now, you just, we just got to be like the tree. We just got to stand, just deeply grow our roots inward, downward, closer to God, closer to what we know to be and hold to be true. Yes, so this is a moment. It's not really a, a moment of testing. It's a moment of revealing. It's just revealing to us where we are. And If we're able to withstand, great. If we're not able to withstand, that's great, too, because now you just know what work needs to be done in terms of your faith, in terms of where you are mentally, where you are spiritually, where your walk needs to be, where your attention needs to go. So, you know, as we say, God don't make mistakes. That's good. God don't make mistakes.
1: That's good. Oh, man, we appreciate you, brother. We appreciate your insight. Appreciate appreciate your your wisdom. I know it's going to add value to a lot of people, man. And, you know, I think the world of you. And so I greatly appreciate it. Oak, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir.